welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 45, Managing and Processing Your Emotions. It's July 18th, 2022. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and podcaster. I also am a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be well-loved, happy, and healthy, even when life is very difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way, and my music is by Howie Masterich. Managing and processing your emotions. Oh boy, this might be actually one of my longest podcasts, so I don't know because I don't script them. I do outlines. And this is actually one of the most significant or important podcasts I think I could ever make. And I say that because I don't actually know that this content that I'm delivering in this podcast has ever been written about or talked about or discussed in this way. And I say that because no one ever trained me in identifying, managing, and processing my emotions. And I haven't read about it, so I haven't received any training. Therefore, I don't know what is written or said about this. At the same time, I'm comfortable in what I'm presenting because I'm really, really good at uh, identifying, processing, and managing my emotions. So it is a superpower, one of my superpowers, of course, there's lots of things I'm terrible at, people. (laughs) Don't you worry. There are so many things I'm not good at, but this is one area I'm good at. And I'm mentioning this at the beginning because I want you to know it's a particular point of view. It's what I do. And I'm not sure what the written literature says or what other people say about it. So I'm kind of giving you that um, disclaimer up front. I'm really good at it. This is what I do. It works very well for me. And you can go see what other people say about it and what other people recommend. Now, and of course, I'm also (laughs) very interested to see what kind of feedback I'll get on it from uh, one of my friends who's a therapist, so that'll be interesting. But the way I'm presenting this, to me, processing, managing and processing your emotions is circular. It's not linear. That's my opinion. And that's how I'm going to present it. And I'm also going to present it in layers. So this, I was thinking about how could I do this in a in a flow chart? And, and then I'm thinking, oh, it's really kind of circular. So this would be a practical, real-life, version of how to manage and process your emotions, not a clinical version, because I don't know what they say about that. And uh, like I said, this is extremely important because you want to be happy and you want to be healthy and you want to be well loved. And if you, you know, are stalled or stuck and can't manage or process your emotions, that's going to be, that's a game stopper that will really handicap you in life. All right. So what am I going to cover in this podcast? Well, I'm going to touch on emotional intelligence. This is a piece of emotional intelligence. I'm going to talk about some of the benefits of emotional intelligence and the traits of people who have high emotional intelligence. 
I'm going to talk about why it's critical for you to learn this. I'm going to mention one of the layers or one of the aspects, which is the subconscious and unconscious mind. I'm going to give you a little note on speed meaning the speed of processing your emotions. I'm going to give you some caveats, uh, things to be warned about, the power of setting aside an emotional situation. The next thing is giving people, other people time and space, being able to function while dealing with a painful situation, the layer of forgiveness, and then layers of managing and processing your emotions, ways to start building emotional intelligence and your skills, couple takeaways, and then a call to action. So that's what we're covering today, which is a lot, and it is what it is. So if you happen to be new to my content, you can visit my website at www.lisaalundy.com and enter my current giveaway, which is called, look, look, I want a book, because yes, I'm giving away books. Um, so that goes on through December 2022, but I'll probably have either, I'll either continue it or maybe do another one. I love giveaways, so I like to do what makes me happy. Now next up is my disclaimer. I am not a therapist, not a medical professional, not a licensed healthcare provider professional in any capacity, and you should always get your therapy or medical advice from a licensed medical professional. Now, if you happen to be listening to this podcast and you've been thinking about harming yourself or you know you're suicidal, I'm asking you to call the National Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. I'm asking you to do something. I'm asking you to take an action because there is help available and people will help you. And there's no shame in needing help. There just isn't. So that's my request. So what is emotional intelligence or emotional quotient? Well, some people really don't know what I'm talking about. We all know that IQ is book smart. How smart you are with facts and figures and history and statistics. That's IQ. Emotional quotient or emotional intelligence is how smart you are with your emotions. So there are five aspects of emotional intelligence and I just want to mention the five components because they, they kind of they build on each other and they're related. But the first one is self-awareness. The second one is self-regulation. Motivation, empathy, and social skills make up the other three. So those are the elements of emotional intelligence. Next, I really want you to get grounded in the benefits of having high emotional intelligence. So for this piece of the podcast, I want you to listen from, hmm, would I like that benefit? Hmm, would that be helpful to me? Hmm, how would that help me? And just kind of let the benefits roll over you and, and think about whether they would be helpful because that can help you get some motivation. So I have 18 benefits here for high emotional intelligence, and there's probably several more, but this is the list I'm going with today. So it's helpful for depressing situations because it provides a broader perspective for handling challenges and problems. It helps facilitate better and more rewarding relationships with people. It helps you deal with stress more efficiently. It helps reduce anxiety. It helps reduce conflict. 
It allows you to empathize with others. It provides calmness and clarity of mind, helps build resilience, allows for better communication, builds integrity, helps you to manage change better, increases confidence, increases creativity, helps increase performance and productivity. It's highly correlated, according to the research, to top work performance, promotions, and higher pay. It makes for more effective leaders and managers. Links strongly to the concepts of love and spirituality, and it definitely helps you be happier. Now, are those things that you would be interested in? Well, I don't know. Like, why would you not be interested in those things? They're amazing. Of course you want those things in your life. Of course you do. So this is the podcast. All my podcasts actually will help you with that. But anyway, it's helpful for you to see. Like, yes, this is meaningful. It's meaty. It's it's where it's at. So I have a list of 29 traits of people who have high emotional intelligence, which is different than the benefits. This is kind of describing people who have high emotional intelligence. And I think this is the path I hope you're going to get on. So I think having a little glimpse into the future about how you would, how it would affect you as a person could be helpful to you as well, which is why I've included it. I really debated on including some of these things, these things in the podcast that ended up in the podcast because I like my podcast to be under an hour. At the same time, I like to cover whatever needs to be covered. So it is what it is. All right. 29 traits of people with high emotional intelligence. Number one, they are agents of change. You know, think growth and development. They are aware of their strengths and weaknesses, meaning they're self-aware. They are empathetic. They are not perfectionists. They are balanced and healthy. They are curious. They are gracious and thankful. They are focused. They are self-motivated. They do not dwell on the past. They focus on the positive. They set boundaries. They are great at managing their own emotions. They are creative and deep, deep thinkers, not overthinkers. There's a difference. They are hard to offend. They know when to say no. They can distinguish between wants and needs. They can determine the moods and energy of a group. They think about the feelings of other people as well as their own. They ask other people for input and perspective. They pause and they know when to pause. They ask why. They are open to criticism they apologize, they forgive, they have an expansive emotional vocabulary, they respond rather than react, they show up as their authentic selves, and they handle difficulties better. Yes, that's like where you want to be. That's So get on the road for emotional intelligence, which my podcast will all help you with, and these are where you'll end up. I mean, it's really great to go... Be in life and not be easily offended or get annoyed or, you know, it's, it's, it's a great thing. So why this is so critical, as if the two lists I covered wasn't enough, as if that's not enough, that should be enough, but as if it's not, one thing we know from the research is any emotions you have that you don't manage and process, they are not simply going to disappear. Nope. 
they are not going to magically disappear into thin air. They are going to stay in your mind, stay in your brain, and lay in wait. They're going to lay in wait for you, and sometime at a later date, it will bubble up. So it's important for you to understand that not dealing with your emotions has an absolute impact on you. So even if you didn't want all those great benefits, even if you didn't the, the traits of a person with high emotional intelligence wasn't appealing to you, I mean, why would that not be appealing to you? I do not know. You need to understand that there's an impact if you don't process your emotions. Okay. So, and you know, of course, obviously, you know, it'll help you with depression and anxiety. It will help you with everything. So now I'm going to start to get into what I call the layers of managing and processing your emotions, which again, I don't know what other people are saying, but the first layer I have is the role of your unconscious and subconscious mind in the process. So whether you know it or not, uh, there are three parts to the mind the conscious mind, the unconscious mind, and the subconscious mind. And for the purpose of this podcast, I'm lumping the unconscious and subconscious mind together for simplicity. And the conscious mind, so the conscious mind represents, according to what I've read, about 10% of your mind. So of your whole mind, the part that you have access to, the part that you're aware of, the part that you you can you can you're just really awake and aware to your conscious mind. That's about ten percent, which means that the unconscious and the subconscious mind represent about ninety percent. So ninety percent of what's going on in your mind, you don't have access to. Because you only have access to the subconscious and unconscious mind. And why I mention this is because in the subconscious and unconscious mind, you have a you have a lot of negative stuff in there, or at least most people do. Most people, myself included, have some pretty nasty stuff down there that we're not aware of. But why it's important that I'm bringing this into the processing and managing of your emotions is because there are decisions you have made about yourself, the world, other people, certain situations, certain events, all kinds of things that you are not aware of. But at the same time, they drive your life. So there's this piece of your mind, 90% of your mind, that you don't have access to, you don't know what's in there, and it's driving your life. So I, I heard sometime, quite a, quite a while ago, I heard Bruce Lipton. Now Bruce Lipton is a PhD, and he's the author of The Biology of Belief, which is a fascinating book I listened to oh, quite, quite some time ago. And in this video that I saw on the internet, uh, Bruce Lipton is talking about the conscious mind, that's the 10%, being like a laptop computer. And uh, Bruce Lipton compared the subconscious and unconscious mind, the 90%, to being like a super mega mainframe. So... I want you to kind of get that visual. Thank you, Bruce Lipton, for that. 
that, you know, what you have access to is your little laptop. And then there's like a whole house full or room full of mainframes that represents your subconscious and unconscious mind. Now, given all the work I've done on myself, I do know you can take actions to unearth the treasure troves of BS that you have in your subconscious mind and unconscious mind. And, uh, and it's not that I'm not recommending it. I mean, you can do therapy, you can do, um, you know, you can do journaling, you can do, there's a number of different things you can do to kind of access that. And, um, the reason I'm, I'm incorporating this is because let's say, you know, you went through a horrible breakup or a horrible, nasty divorce, or, you know, somebody cheated on you or somebody betrayed you or somebody stole your money or whatever. What's likely to have happened as a result is that you've unknowingly, so this is not conscious, this is unknowingly, made a decision about, well, I'm a woman, so I, I, I could make a decision, well, men are, are dangerous and men are not good for me. Or, oh, well, that didn't go well, so I'm not going to get in a relationship again. So these are the things that if you didn't know you had an unconscious decision about something, then you wouldn't, you wouldn't know, you just don't know, and yet it's driving your life. So just to give you an example, so when I was doing some work some many years ago, I unearthed from my subconscious, unconscious mind that I was afraid to be really, really successful, which really came as a surprise to me. Like sometimes the decisions uh, we've made in our subconscious, unconscious mind are, are surprising. So that kind of shocked me. Then as I kind of sat with it and pondered it, I realized, oh, it made total sense because I wasn't saying you never want to be successful. It was like, you don't want to be number one. You don't want to be out leading the pack because then people will judge you and condemn you and ridicule you and attack. Like it's terrible. And I, and that was the decision because, well, I kind of mentioned this in a podcast on thinking big and, and dreaming big. Yeah, when you think big or dream big, people are going to criticize you. They are going to judge you. They are going to condemn you. And sometimes they will attack you. That's a fact. Well, hopefully not for everyone, but I have experience with that. So out of A, an experience that happened in college, and then B, when I was working for Xerox, there were things that happened because I was successful and uh, subconsciously or unconsciously made a decision like, well, you don't want to be like really, really successful. Like come in at number two or three and let the number one person take all the heat. So it's really helpful. It's just wildly helpful to understand how your mind works when you're processing and managing your emotions because sometimes you're trying to make sense of things or sometimes you're like, hmm, why isn't this not working or why am I struggling here or there? And that could be a piece of it. Now, this especially comes up in, you know, life coaching. So say, for example, I have someone I'm working with who desperately, desperately wants to change jobs. So for example, 
and they can't figure out why they're having so much trouble and why, you know, what what is the issue? And in saying that instance, uh, what was unearthed was in the subconscious, unconscious mind, they had made a decision early, early in their career that the, the job they had, this job was the best job they were ever going to get. So at a, at a younger age, with the current employer they had, they had unknowingly, so totally unknowingly, made up in their mind this decision that this is the best job I'm ever going to get. So you can see if that's the decision, how would that allow them to go get another job? It doesn't allow them to go get another job. However, the untangling of that decision, the discovery of that decision, was very helpful because then they could say, oh yes, of course I would have thought that at 23 or whatever. Like a, That's a reasonable thing to think. So it is extremely helpful in life to become self-aware and aware that, you know, there may be something in your subconscious or unconscious mind that's thwarting you from a current goal or a current intention or stopping you. So that's, oh, I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to end up doing a whole podcast on the subconscious unconscious mind because it's so fascinating and extremely helpful. The next thing I want to mention is speed speed of processing your emotions. So I really don't know anybody else who's wildly great at managing and processing processing their emotions, or I'd have a discussion about this. So I'm just letting you know that, for example, I'm really good at it, but I'm a very slow processor when it comes to emotions. If you shock me, I'm shock is my worst emotion, although I've gotten better over many, many, many years. It's still my weakest area. So if you shock me, I'm likely to say, oh, okay, and just because I can't process things that fast. So for me, I'm a slow processor, and I know I'm a slow processor of my own emotions. I'm okay with that, and it's also a very helpful thing to know. It's just helpful because that leaves me the ability to say to somebody, you know, you caught me by surprise. I didn't know about that, or I don't know how I feel about that. I'm going to have to really think about it and get back to you and really have the confidence and self-assurance to say, like, it's okay that I don't know how I feel about that. It's perfectly okay. And so, you know, you might be fast, and if you're fast, good for you, but there's no prize for being fast or slow. It takes whatever it takes. But I just want to mention that because uh, not knowing what I didn't know, I was a little like, wow, I'm really slow at this. Um, but it's okay. All right, now some caveats on this whole managing and processing your emotions. And they're important. So number one, um, and these would kind of fall under the heading of like maladaptive processing if I was if I was clinical or clinician or had any training like like serious training in, in psychotherapy or whatever. Um, I think it would fall under maladaptive processing, but I'm just a regular person who happens to be good at a lot of this stuff. So the first one I want to cover is um, people who are what's called emotional reasoners. And those people will typically tell you, oh, I am great 
with my emotions. I'm great. I'm really skilled. And if someone is an emotional reasoner, here's what they do. They use their emotions as if they're facts. And they reason with their emotions instead of facts. So an emotional reasoner actually has a cognitive distortion. So they're not thinking rationally or logically because they're using their emotions as the way that they reason. And I have, by the way, met people who are like, oh my gosh, I'm great at that. I am great at my emotions. No, they're great at feeling their emotions, but they have a cognitive distortion. So they don't, they don't, they're not processing them properly in any capacity. So you need to know about that and why that's helpful. Hopefully you don't have that cognitive distortion, but guess what? Any problem you have in life, there's a, there's a way to work on that. You can like grow skills. So don't let anything take you down. If you're an emotional reasoner, you can, you can learn how to not be an emotional reasoner, but it's helpful to know about even the existence of that because they're not, they're not rash. It's not rational thinking. So if you're a rational thinker and you're talking to someone who's irrational, you're, you're kind of going to go around in circles. It's, it's not, it's not a good place to be. Don't want to be dealing with people who are irrational and there are plenty of irrational people. I'm going to mention a couple other cognitive distortions. So, but it's helpful for you because you are the one, you know, this podcast is about managing and processing your emotions. And a lot of your emotions, let's be honest, are going to come up as a result of interactions with other people, other events, and other things. So if you're dealing with someone who happens to have emotional reasoning as their MO, as their cognitive distortion that they don't know, you know, you might get into like a little row or you might, you know, like you might, you might have some trouble. Because that's that's problematic, and and so if you know what an emotional reasoner reasoner is, I mean like a, an emotion is an emotion, and then we have facts about like what actually happened or what was said, etc. So it's helpful for you to know about that. So in this podcast, I'm giving you all the information that's helpful to you. I mean, hopefully you don't have that. So other, so there are a lot of cognitive distortions. And cognitive distortions kind of alter reality, give you kind of like illogical or irrational thinking. And so I'm just going to mention a couple of them because they're important to you to be able, well, A, you want to make sure you don't have them. But B, if you're dealing with people who have them, it's extremely helpful. So one of them is minimizing. I have a lot of experience with people who have that or had it. So a minimizer is going to like dismiss, demean, or belittle any problem or anything negative or anything, a lot of things. They, they, that's what they do. Now, there, there's nothing wrong with doing that, but it's helpful to know. And if you're not a minimizer, I mean, I hope you're not a minimizer, because when you have a problem, just deal with it, people. I mean, problems are meant to help you grow and learn and, and to be dealt with. But minimizers are going to, you know, not want to deal with things. They're going to say it's not a problem. So minimizing is one. Catastrophizing is another. Personalization, taking everything personal. Blaming. Oh, the next one's very common. It's always being right. So if you know somebody who's always right, they might have that cognitive distinction. 
And, and so the next part of this under the kind of pitfalls or caveats or things you should know is people can only deal with emotions at the level where they are at the present time. So if someone has low emotional abilities and they can't deal with emotions, they may have to cut you out of their life as you grow your emotional abilities, or they may have to distance themselves from you for time because it's like you've grown and developed and you have these new skills, which you really want. Okay, you, this is These are the skills you want to have in life. But people who don't have them, you're, you know, that may make them uncomfortable and they may want to avoid you or, you know, create some space. So if you're dealing with a painful situation, sometimes people in your life, because they have low emotional skills, they are not good at managing and processing their emotions, they're going to have to distance themselves from you until you're done with whatever painful situation because it's too hard for them. They can't deal with it. They put themselves in your shoes and think, oh my gosh, I would be a basket case. So it's really helpful to kind of get grounded when you're learning emotional skills to kind of, you know, understand how it is for the people around you because that, that can give you some compassion. I mean, I've been through, I think almost every painful thing life could deal with, give, throw at you. And I know that I have really great people in my life who have different levels of emotional abilities. And sometimes when something bad happens to me or something painful, it's too much for them. Like they just can't deal with it. They have a limited capacity for pain. And as you're growing your skills and abilities, I think this is a really helpful thing to know. All right. The next thing or layer is to, to grow and develop the power of setting it aside an emotional situation. And what I mean by that is sometimes things happen and you just have to deal with it later. So I'm not talking, in this instance, I'm not talking about blowing something off. And I'm not talking about never dealing with it. I'm talking about sometimes you have to wait. Sometimes the place or venue or situation, it's just not appropriate to get into something. So for example, let's say you're in a social setting and someone says something that's belittling or demeaning or negative or derogatory or whatever about you in front of you, in front of other people. Well, of course, that would not be pleasant. That would that would not, not, that would be not pleasant. And you know, if you're shocked, like a lot of us are not good at shock, you know, you might not have a good comeback, and you're just kind of shocked, and so you don't say anything, and you notice you can tell you're starting to get upset, and you can feel you're starting to get angry, you know, so. I'm suggesting instead of responding and attacking back, you, you set that aside to be dealt with later. And later you might decide that person is not worth it. That person is not worth any time, any energy, etc. But at least you didn't attack back and come across as snarky or just as bad as the first person. So 
that's one kind of example. Another example would be, let's say you are dealing with a life challenge or multiple life challenges, and then something else comes along. It's really helpful to be able to, to know yourself and have some skills in this area where you can say, look, I'm really dealing with a lot right now and it's too much for me to consider that or I can't think about that right now because I have so much on my plate and that's too painful. And sometimes that will work and sometimes someone might need a decision from you because maybe it's about going on a trip or maybe it's about, you know, something they're going to buy and they want your input. You know, you'll just deal with that the best you can. But it's really powerful. I'm telling you, it's really powerful to be able to say, you know, I would love to give you an answer on that. But right now, I have too much on my plate, and I can't, I can't deal with that. It's too painful. And this is particularly important when someone is, when you're grieving a loss, or you're going through a period of grief, because, you know, that's a hard process in and of itself. And so sometimes it's not wise to make decisions when you're in a period of grief, or you're grieving. So. So learning to set aside something painful or something that's unpleasant and then going back to it later and dealing with it, it's just really helpful. Everything doesn't have to be dealt with uh, Johnny on the spot when it happens. So you get the idea there. So the next kind of layer or piece is, is the idea of giving other people time and space. As you get on this journey and you're going to start to grow your emotional intelligence and you're going to grow all these capabilities, unless you take people along the ride with you, which I absolutely highly recommend, highly, highly, highly recommend, you might get to the point where you have more emotional skills and abilities than the people in your circle or your posse. So if that's the case, and even if it's not the case, sometimes people need time to manage or process their own emotions. So if something happens and you want to have a discussion about it or you want to talk about it, they might not be ready. And so you got to be able to give people time and space because they're ready when they're ready and some people will never be ready. Um, but you don't want to bully or coerce or force someone to do something that they are not ready for or can't do and you know so having them you know be able to give other people space and sometimes that might mean that you send them a note or a card or an email saying hey I just want to express some of my thoughts and emotions on this you know you can get back to me if you want to or however you word it so you know that's just people are going to need their own time and space now the next thing is to be able to function while you're dealing with something painful. So all of my content will help you be more functional. And what do I mean by being more functional? I mean like you can do your daily activities, do your work, do your whatever, whatever it is in your life that you have to be doing, that you can do it with grace and ease, even if something bad has happened or is happening or is you know, in the, in the process. So dealing with painful events, life's challenges, hardships is one of the things that takes people out of the game. 
it, it they just kind of stop functioning. They stop sleeping. They stop eating. They have trouble, you know, showing up for work, etc. So all of my materials are designed to help you become more functional, so that life's challenges don't take you out of the game, and or you don't stop being functional. Because life is hard. I mean, like life has always been hard. It is hard. I mean, it's easier for some people. And if you want life to be easier for you, then the solution is growth and development, learning new skills, habits, and abilities. But it's really helpful to be able to have something painful in life that's current and still be able to function. It doesn't mean that you're not in a painful situation but it means that you can still function. This is a skill. This is a, it's a layer in the managing and processing your emotions, but it's also a skill. So for example, I'm trying to think which, which example I should use. Well, I was, I was helping to care for somebody that we didn't think would live. And that was horrible, horrible to think that they might not live horrible, horrible, horrible. And if that's all I thought about, I wouldn't have been able to properly care for and help care for that person. So it's not that I didn't think about it. And it's not that I didn't feel those, the fear and the, and the possible loss. I felt all of those and I managed and processed my emotions, but I was able to do that in a, in a, in a compartmentalized way where it didn't, rule the whole scenario it was it was i was able to function extremely well and then have this this painful possible outcome in the background so it's really helpful to be able to function while you have something painful going on i could give you some other examples but i think you get the idea next is a layer of forgiveness or holding a grudge so this is something that's going to impact how you manage and process your emotions. Either you're going to have forgiveness in your heart and be a forgiving person, or you're going to hold a grudge or somewhere in between. I mean, it's not black and white. And what you need to understand is whether you've chosen to forgive someone or a business or something or some entity, whatever, or you're choosing to hold a grudge, that's going to impact this whole process, in my opinion. So I did do recently a podcast on the healing nature of forgiveness because forgiveness is all about you. It has nothing to do with the other person. You get all the benefits. So that podcast will help you if you tend to be somebody who's either not forgiving or holds a grudge. But my point is this will absolutely color or impact how you process your emotions. So the next piece of this podcast, I would have called it like steps to managing and processing your emotions, but because it's it's not linear in my opinion, it's kind of circular, we're just kind of going to go through the layers and you'll see, you know, how they fit together. So the first thing I have is a context. And I'm a fan. I'm a fan of kind of getting the lay of the land, getting the territory, kind of like knowing what I'm dealing with dealing with or who I'm dealing with or you know whatever so so I think so some of the pieces I'm going to cover or the the different layers are going to give you a full context so when I'm talking about context I'm talking about you know a couple of these points 
your own actions. Did you knowingly or unknowingly contribute to what happened? You know, your point of view, life experiences, or their point of view, life experiences, history of the relationship, length, actions, events, past history, trauma, abuse, betrayals, etc., and your beliefs and core values. So those are some of the pieces that will give you a context for processing and managing your emotions, in my opinion. So the first thing that I do and I suggest is that you accurately identify your feelings. And I have, a, I have, oh, I got to check. I think I made a mistake here. Um, no, I think I included it later. So you're going to accurately identify your feelings. And for that, you are going to use an emotional vocabulary word sheet to flush out your feelings. You're going to pick three words. Hold on a second. I have to look at this. Um, I cover it later. All right, so first thing is you're going to accurately identify your feelings. I'm going to come back to that. Next, I think it's wildly helpful to pinpoint the source. is Because when you get upset, sometimes it looks like you're upset about X, but you're actually upset about Y. So for me, sometimes it's not readily apparent. And you can look at, you know, is there any history to this? Is there any any you know, I mean, sometimes it's going to be very obvious, you know, somebody backs into your car and of course you're upset and that's what happened. But sometimes with people, it's not as readily apparent. And I think that it's helpful if you can pinpoint the source. So for example, I recently, well, a month or two ago, took an action which was very unlike me. And it was only later after I really was into processing and managing my emotions that I realized, aha, what happened was a trigger from the past unbeknownst to me. And then I could, then it all made sense because this, the source of my actions was kind of hidden from me. So this is helpful to pinpoint the source, but it's not required. So it's helpful not required and sometimes it'll show up later next you know is there any history to your current feeling so however you're feeling do you have a history of feeling that way you know like do you have a history of feeling hurt do you have a history of feeling betrayed or anger resentment you know do you have a history of trauma or abuse you know it can be very helpful in processing and managing your emotions to make some notes about history so, for example, my Achilles, one of my Achilles heel, my I think my big Achilles heel, is that I'm too trusting. I am. I have, I have a history of being taken advantage of and betrayed, blah, blah, blah. So I have to take actions to take care of myself because that's how I'm organized. I'm organized to love and trust people. So if you have a history of being hurt by others, you know, that's going to be helpful, you know, in your own growth and development to be able to know that so you can take actions to prevent it. 
So yeah, I have to take actions to make sure I'm not taken advantage of because trust, you know, I, I, I love people and I trust them. I'm, you know, so I, I'm aware of that because of my self-awareness. So I have to do, you know, due diligence and, you know, so it's going to be helpful to look and see, do you have any history with that? So the next thing I suggest is looking for any mismatched feelings, which could be an advanced skill. I'm not sure. So for example, you know, we, we tend to think of, of our feelings kind of all being in the same family or of the same flavor. But let's say you were feeling belittled or put down or criticized over remarks made about, you know, made to you about you by your friend. So, you know, you might feel 95% or 85% or 90, whatever, belittled, demeaned, put down or criticized. But then there, there's this like small piece, maybe 5 or 10% or 15% or whatever, that you're actually happy that they said it to your face and not behind your back. So it's really helpful in managing and processing your emotions to look for feelings that are mismatched. So let's say, you know, you might be angry, sad, disappointed about a, a, a divorce that's happening. And that could be like 95% of your feelings or whatever. But yet you might also be, you know, 25% or, or 50% happy that, you know, you dragged that person to four different marriage therapists and you did like ridiculous things to make it work out. You might be really proud of yourself that you put in the effort and didn't just cave because it wasn't working. So I think you see the point I'm making that in many situations there will be feelings that are not in the same family and it's helpful to kind of distinguish mismatched feelings and that's what I'm calling it. All right. So I already talked about being able to set aside your emotions to be dealt with later. So nothing has to be dealt with on the spot and that's very powerful. The next thing I have is to feel the feelings. Now we, we as society, yeah, we're, we're not so great at this. And I think this is really critical. And I don't mean like, you know, you have something sad or painful going on that you're just feeling down and all this pain all the time. I'm not talking about that. You don't have to, you can be in a painful situation and not be morose every minute of the day. You can be in a horrible, horrible situation and still have happiness. But what I'm talking about is allowing yourself to feel the feelings for some amount of time. You know, where do you feel in your body? Do you feel tightness in your chest or is your head throbbing? There, there is such a thing as the mind-body connection and that is amazing and that is very fascinating. I should probably put that on my list to do a podcast for because I have lots of examples of that because I'm aware of that. And so it's, it's really important that you allow yourself some time to actually feel the feelings. The next thing I have in the layer is, do your feelings make sense? Well, first of all, your feelings are your feelings, and feelings do not always make sense. Sometimes there's just no rhyme or reason to them. Sometimes they just are what they are. But it's helpful sometimes to ask yourself whether they make sense. So, for example, 
let's say you got a promotion at work and you're excited, you're over the top and you're like really happy. And then you kind of like, after a little bit, you notice that you're like a little mad or angry, or a little reset. Like there's something that's not happy about it. And then you realize, oh, yeah, I'm like 10% pissed off because it took me seven years to get that promotion and so-and-so got into it. Like, you know, it's helpful to just kind of notice and see, do my feelings make sense? Because then you can distinguish if there's something mismatched, mismatched or, you know, something you haven't distinguished. And they might not always make sense, but it's just helpful to kind of look at that layer and ask yourself, does this make sense? Um... Next, I think it's extremely helpful and very powerful to understand how your core beliefs and effects, your core beliefs and your core values and beliefs impact how you feel. So, number one, your core values and beliefs are, you know, they're going to, affect you in three, in my opinion, three key ways. Number one, they're going to affect how you feel about something that happened or whatever was said. Number two, it's going to impact how you process your emotions. And number three, it's going to impact things moving forward. So because I believe that people are basically good and people are basically doing the best in life that they can, except for, okay, sociopaths, narcissists, psychopaths, and evil people. Those people are just evil and bad. You know, my beliefs that people are basically good and doing the best they can color how I process my emotions. And it, and it does so because I'm giving people the benefit of the doubt. If you had the opposite kind of idea or feeling about life, let's say you thought people were bad or people were out to get you, then you're going to arrive at a different conclusion because you're going to feel like, see, I was right, they got me. You know, like people are bad. And so your beliefs, your core beliefs, your core values are going to color and influence your emotional processing. And it, by the way, because we're talking about emotional intelligence here, we're talking about developing skills with emotions, self-awareness being the key, it's extremely valuable to know what your core values and beliefs are. Next, I'm a wild fan of this, but a basic understanding of human behavior or psychology can be immensely helpful in managing and processing your emotions. How? Well, in psychology. So I have a whole podcast about psychology terms I think everyone should know because quite frankly, there are plenty of psychology terms I do think everyone should know because it's it's so helpful. It's just makes life easier. So for example, projection, denial, scapegoating, passive aggressive, and cognitive distortions are just some of the examples of psychology concepts. Once you understand them, can help you make sense of other people, can help you make sense of other people's behavior, and help you put together a context for processing your emotions. So a little bit of psychology goes a long way in this process. Now I happen to have a good breadth of, of psychology understanding and knowledge, which is why I'm saying that. Like if I didn't know what 
projection was or scapegoating or passive aggressive behavior. Like it wouldn't, it would, I wouldn't be processing my emotions the same way. So that's that. Next, I have as a layer the point of view or life experiences, and I think this is important. So most people in life do things, say things, and function in life based on a limited point of view, based on their own life experience, based on what they know, you know, and, and, and based on how they've lived. And that's not bad, and that's not wrong. I'm not saying that's bad or wrong. But it's, it's very helpful if you're going to be processing your emotions and you're going to be developing a powerful context. Because you know what? I don't recommend you, you process or manage your emotions in a vacuum. But it's helpful to understand someone else's point of view or life experiences. Like, so for example, I did the podcast on thinking and dreaming big. That's not what most people do. Okay, I'm clear, been doing it forever. That is not how most people think. They don't dream big, they don't think big. And so when you do it, they can't get behind it. They can't understand it because it's so dramatically different from what they do and their life experience. So this, in my opinion, is extremely helpful as a layer when you're processing your emotions to consider. So someone who's never been through domestic abuse or domestic violence might not understand why you're getting rid of, of most of your possessions that were associated with the trauma because they can't, they, they haven't had that experience. Whereas someone who has is like, oh yeah, that's the best thing you could ever do. Or a therapist would say, oh yeah, you want to get rid of objects or belongings that are associated with the trauma and remind you of the trauma. So it's really helpful to consider someone else's point of view and life experiences. The next thing I have is to kind of periodically check in, like check in, have you pinpointed your feelings? Like you're, cause of course, you know, I'm a slow processor. So like that one thing I was talking about where I did something that was unlike me. Oh, it was a couple weeks later. I was like, aha, yes. Well, no wonder I did that. This is, this is what it reminded me of. This is kind of what happened. And then I could pinpoint some more feelings. So checking in with yourself is a good idea. The next thing I have in the whole process here is that ultimately at some point, if it's appropriate, that you would express your feelings. Now, I'm a big fan of expressing your emotions, but sometimes it's just not appropriate to do so. Like at work or, you know, with some people or in some situations, sometimes it's just not appropriate. And and you have to learn when when to and when not to. But if you're going to do that, I certainly recommend you avoid using, you know, blame and using I statements. You know, I felt X, Y, and Z when you said this or you did this. And to refrain from um, words like always or never. You always do this. You always do that. No, I feel X when you do Y. And, uh, you know, and I'm going to eventually at some point down the road do a podcast on communication skills, but those, those would be good things to incorporate. And, um, I do, I do have a YouTube video about difficult conversations. I certainly recommend you make some notes. If you're going to have a conversation that's difficult, make some notes, you know, get, get yourself sorted out 
And if it's not appropriate to express your emotions, you can still, you know, process them and manage them without saying them to the other person. And, and, you know, in the instances where you might, you might realize as you grow these skills that you have some unexpressed emotions with someone who's either deceased or no longer in your life. You can write them a letter, even though they're deceased or in the case where they're no longer in your life, and not send it. You can burn it or you can shred it. You can still express your emotions to someone who's deceased or not in your life. And sometimes that's very powerful and sometimes it's very helpful, you know, in your journey. So just because someone's not in your life or they're deceased doesn't mean you can't get the value and the freedom from expression. And again, sometimes it's just not appropriate. So let's say you have a situation involving, well, most of these things are going to be involving other people or work or what have you. Um, so let's say you express your emotions, express your thoughts and feelings about what happened. Sometimes you're going to have to like wait it out and see what response you get. Cause sometimes people are not, people are often not used to someone who's expressing their emotions. And sometimes if you're expressing emotions like, well, I felt hurt or excluded or, you know, dismissed people aren't, well, first of all, people aren't going to like that. I'm just going to tell you from people. Nobody likes that. But, if you want to live an authentic life, you have to be able to say these things. You have to be able to feel your feelings and say these things. Now, someone else, you know, then they're confronted with their own behavior. And so you have to give them time and space. And you may hear from them, and sometimes you may not hear from them. But that's that's the way it goes. So that's helpful. Because part of this is, you know, you distinguishing what is your circus and what is your monkeys or what are your, what is your circus? What are your, who are your monkeys? People will sometimes like to throw things back at you that aren't yours. And so it's really helpful to know what's your stuff and what's somebody else's stuff. I mean, it's just, this is where I'm saying psychology is really helpful, really helpful. All right. So as you're managing and processing your emotions, there's going to be a point more than not, more likely than not, where you're going to have to make a choice or where a choice naturally arises. And so some of the choices, choice options are you can wait and see what happens or put a hold on it. You can give them the benefit of the doubt and keep moving forward with them in a relationship. You can distance yourself, yourself from them for a short period, give it like a cooling down or giving it space. You can decide or recognize that the situation is unhealthy for you and then decide what actions are appropriate given the situation and, or you can walk away slash end the relationship. So some are, those are some of the choices you can make or sometimes become readily apparent as you go through this processing your emotions. So I think hopefully you're starting to get the circular nature of it. Now, what I, what I want to mention here is sometimes things will happen in life where you get new information or your life changes that will then color your emotional processing about something. So for example, you know, you, you are making, you are processing your emotions where you are in life right here and right now. 
So let's say later in life you become a parent and you realize, oh, wow, there's a lot more to this than I realized. And boy, my mom or dad really did a great job. Or boy, my mom or dad really did a terrible job. And so that's then going to give you a different layer on your emotions about that because you now have new life experiences that changes your view. And you, then you want to go back and, and process that. So, and sometimes, you know, you may, you processed your emotions based on a lack of information. I know, I know I was, I've been judged by people who didn't have all the information. I mean, I'm okay with that. I'm used, I'm used to being judged and condemned and criticized. I did a podcast about that. Uh, I'm very used to that. I am really, really sadly used to that. But, you know, sometimes people will make judgments when they don't have all the information. So if you your life changes or your life circumstance, circumstances change or you get new information, then the whole processing kind of like starts itself over again. All right, so now I have some suggestions. Well, this kind of falls under the managing your emotions. So it's kind of been giving you the process of going through this. And so then there's like emotional intelligence. So self-awareness, self-awareness, self-awareness. And I have so many podcasts that will help you with that. I have emotions as a superpower. I have one on anger, one on depression, one on loss and grief, one on harnessing emotional intelligence. I have all kinds of podcasts that will help you Grow your emotional intelligence. Next, I talked earlier in this podcast about pinpointing how you feel. This next thing is your emotional vocabulary. An emotional vocabulary is required to pinpoint your feelings. So here's how you're going to grow that. (laughs) Here's my recommendation for that. You ready? All right, so you're going to go to some website, for example, tomdrummond.com, and you're going to print out an emotional vocabulary word sheet. Yes, you are. So if you go to your computer and you put in the search words Tom Drummond emotional word vocabulary sheet in the search engine, it will bring up not only Tom Drummond's website, and you can it's the first page on that, but it will bring up a whole bunch of others. I mean, there's plenty of sites and, and resources that have emotional vocabulary word sheets. I mean, I just happen to use Tom Drummond's, but I don't have any relationship with him. I'm not recommending him because he's an affiliate and I get some money. I have no relationship with him whatsoever. It's just happened to, happened to be the one I used from the beginning. So it's going to be an eight and a half by 11 inch piece of paper. It's going to have words across the top, like happiness, caring, depression, inadequate fear, confusion, anger, hurt, etc. And then it's going to have, um, varying intensity so you know strong medium mild and what you're going to do is you're going to use this sheet to pick three vocabulary words for any one situation because there's a difference between so mostly in society we use the same words all the time well i'm upset well how are you well i'm happy well i'm sad like we use very we have a very very limited emotional vocabulary in society in general. That's a broad generalization, but I'm sticking to it. So there's a difference between feeling hurt and feeling tortured or crushed. There's a difference between being angry and feeling outraged, infuriated, or simply mildly annoyed. 
So I, I have done this, by the way, myself and with my three children. My, my children had to do it for quite, some, for quite some time. And yes, they had to th do three words. The three words, by the way, is arbitrary. I just think it's the right number. I think it's a good number. I don't think one or two is enough. I think three is the number. And I recommend it. So you're going to have to print out an emotional vocabulary worksheet. You're going to have to start using it. And you'll be amazed. I mean, because literally, we're... As a general rule, we're like happy or we're sad or we're angry. You know, no, let's start pinpointing your emotions and that's the process. The next thing that's really going to help you in this uh, area of growing your ability to manage and process your emotions is being able to do what I call uh, flip the switch on your emotions. Now, I was talking to a friend of mine. <laughs> who's a therapist and she thinks that I, it's possible I might have invented that that title so we don't know but whether I did or not this is the idea you want to learn to be able to flip the swip, switch on your emotions like in a nanosecond and what I define that is is taking an intentional action designed to help boost your mood and help you feel better why because it gives your brain a little break. It allows a little distraction so your mind can begin to start to make sense and process your emotions. I think it's really extremely powerful, very helpful um, in this process so you're not just ruminating over or, you know, fuming or, you know, like, so give yourself a break. So for example, so here's some examples of things you can do to flip the switch on your emotions. Take a walk, take a nap, listen to music, call a friend, go do a chair, chore or an errand. Um, at work, because I've coached people who work, are working in jobs at a desk or at a station that they can't just walk away from, and you can learn to flip the switch on your emotions even at your, if you're at work, even if you can't just go take a break, you can come up with something that allows you to flip the switch on your emotions. So there's no excuses for this. If I can help people working in a job that they can't leave, flip the switch on their emotions and come up with a technique, you can do it too. So at work, for example, look at an inspiring quote, go use the restroom, get a cup of coffee, take an early lunch, say an affirmation. If you're allowed to use your phone, text a friend and say, I need a pick-me-up text. I mean, you get the idea. This is a stopgap measure, meaning it does not fix or solve the problem. But it's important because it gives your brain a little break. The next reason it's important is because it's going to help you feel better. Like, don't you want to feel better? Yes, you do. Now, the more you do the flipping the switch of your emotions, the more you're training your brain for happiness. You're training your brain that it's great to feel good. And, oh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's great to feel good. Who doesn't want to feel good? Well, there are a few people who don't want to feel good, and those people we won't talk about right now. The other thing about flipping the switch on your emotions is it's free, it's easy, and it works. So that will be helpful. The next thing is right judgment. And I mention this knowing when it's appropriate to express your emotions and being able to have self-control to be able to wait to do it until it's appropriate or be able to not do it if it's not appropriate. 
Now, some people don't have this right judgment, and they just have to, like, blow up your phone or, you know, te mad text you at 11 o'clock for an hour because they have so little control of their emotions. So you want to be able to develop right judgment. And the last thing here in this section is being able to have happiness skills. There are absolutely skills in happiness. There are habits, there are practices, there are empowering attitudes and beliefs and things that will help you be happy. Okay, well, almost all my content will help you with that. So you're on a journey, hopefully, to learn to manage and process your emotions. So I've covered lots of the layers and aspects of processing or managing your emotions. And the thing that will be helpful for you uh, beyond what I've already covered is for you to make this fun. Make it playful. Make it fun. I just did a podcast recently about having more fun and play in your life. And I'm a wild fan of that. Why? Because life is hard. Why wouldn't I want everything to be as fun and playful as possible? I don't know. Well, I do. So that's what I do. So every every journey that you go on, you can make it fun. You can make a game out of it. You can get a bunch of people to go with you and say, hey, we're going to listen to this chick's podcast or we're going to grow our emotions to be a super, superpower like they could be. And we're all going to make memes and we're going to dress up. I mean, like you can make it be wildly fun. I do suggest take a bunch of people because that would be helpful. And set some goals for yourself. Have some self-compassion, you know, take care of yourself. It's it's the most amazing thing in the world. I, I'm a super diehard fan of happiness, of love, of all the good stuff. And part of that is developing the skills and abilities that make life easier. So your takeaways for this podcast are it's time to realize how significant it is to learn to process and manage your emotions, starting with identifying how you feel. And then it's time to start taking actions. Yes, yes, yes. You're going to print out an emotional vocabulary word sheet. Well, I hope you are. I don't know if you are. But why not? Have it, have it be fun. You can have a whole big fun thing about this at work. I mean, you could really play it up and have fun. And, and, and lastly, it's time to begin your superhero journey. Like, yeah, it's time to begin because either you're going to begin or you're going to be stuck at the whim of your emotions. So it's time to get on your superhero journey. It's time to get your friends or family or coworkers or somebody to go with you because that'll definitely make it more fun. And it's time to share this podcast on social media so you can help other people because this will really make a difference. That's it. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 45, Managing and Processing Your Emotions. I sincerely hope you're going to get on the road to having your emotions be the superpower that they are and building skills in this area. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you get the new ones automatically. Please connect with me at my website at www.lisaalundy.com and don't forget to enter my giveaway. Take care for now. I love you and hang in there.